Welcome to the Retail Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Shelby Skirhawk, and today we're talking about the challenges that face legacy brands with Trevor Sumner, CEO of New York-based Perch Interactive. He'll discuss how purchase technology merges physical and digital retail displays that are driving customers to touch and pick up products, and why that's lifting sales for retailers. Trevor, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So I want to start with some of the challenges facing these legacy brands today and really how we got here. There's certainly a whole new world of e-commerce and digital retail that brick and mortar retailers have been slow to adopt. So what are some of the challenges that legacy retail is facing and, and what's keeping them up at night? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, it's it's really interesting. If you think about the retail experience, it hasn't changed much uh, in the past 20, 30 years. And so brands have always been fighting for consumer attention and you know, retail storefronts that they don't control. So, you know, that's really problematic. Uh, and we've tried, you know, co-op dollars and various different shopper marketing programs to take market share and build, you know, product awareness. We've had, you know, television and blast type interruptive marketing to try and get awareness of products. But ultimately, we've gotten better at filtering that advertising out. And so the the challenge is that consumers want to more authentically connect with their brands and their products in a world where the same tools for connecting are changing so rapidly. And so you know, there are a lot of retailers who are doing this really well, a lot of direct-to-consumer brands that are doing this very well with storytelling, with social media, with building communities. Uh, the, the existing brands are are a little bit behind. They're definitely moving very quickly. But if you actually look at technology in retail and the retail experience itself, it hasn't changed much. Fundamentally for us, the way I think about it, which I've been really liking this analogy as of late, which is I want you to imagine Amazon.com without product pages. So you go to Home and Garden, you go to Apparel. What would that look like if there were no product pages? You would just have kind of a just all these images of products in front of you with a little bit of information on each one and it's hard to read and they're all competing for you in this chaotic mega page. Think about what a grocery store in aisle experience is. Isn't that exactly what it is, right? Where hundreds of products thrown upon you all, you know, the number optimizing the number of facings uh, for you, right? And yet consumers are now demanding the types of digital content to explore their products, whether it be how-to videos, ingredients, ratings and reviews, comparisons, you know, social feedback. And so you know, for us, this is really about a revolution in product marketing and store and building technology that allows you to connect with the consumer, allow the, the best parts of in, in-person shopping, in-store brick-and-mortar shopping, where you have the serendipity and discovery with the education and engagement. And we do that with you know, computer vision that allows you to detect which products you're touching and then message each one, kind of like you know, online when you click on a product, you go to a product page. In-store, when you touch a product, you can unlock an experience. And all that information that brands have invested in those products in telling the story of each and every product, because every product does have a story. Now we can unlock that and create these interactive experiences that engage customers. We can analyze their behavior and what they're doing even well before you get sales data. And ultimately we're driving 30 to 80% sales lift. So this whole process, you know, is is ROI positive. So it's it's a really fascinating time as we 
know, there's this giant sea change from static, physical, crowded stores to interactive, media-rich digital ones. You mentioned the the percentage lift, the sales lift that you're seeing from that. So then describe a little bit of what Perch Interactive does specifically and, and how they're merging digital retail into or digital displays into physical brick and mortar stores. It, it really depends on the category, right? So in grocery, uh, we're working with Johnson & Johnson. And when you pick up a Band-Aid, it'll tell you about Neosporin. Uh, it'll tell you about Band-Aid pain cream and other elements in a, a regiment of products that you might want. In beauty, uh, we work with people like Sephora and Mac and Estee Lauder and Cody. And one of the big challenges there is visualizing the product on your on your face. Um, and so we use augmented reality so that when you touch a lipstick, it actually will put that color of lipstick on your face. You know, every woman I've ever talked to just, you know, when they hear that, they go, oh, because they don't want to put that, you know, unsanitary sample on their face and on their lips because who knows who else has done that. <laughs> and, you know, they don't want to put little marks on the, on the sides of their arm because then they can't really see what it looks like. And as a result of doing, utilizing technology by understanding the shopper journey and understanding the challenges in that shopper journey, people are engaging. They're putting on many more colors of lipstick. They're buying more increasing basket size. So, so that's another example of how digital can, can help. At Kate Spade, New York, they have a, a configurable and personalizable handbag line that they call Make It Mine. And there are you know, thousands of different options. And they you know, basically can go in and pick up a bag and it unlocks all the different options and you can change the flaps and the straps and basically build your own bag. And in fact, you can actually have multiple flaps per bag so you can have a many-in-one type purse experience. And you know, all these things, you know, it's really about understanding what are the challenges that the shopper goes through in interacting with your brand? What information do they need to know? And how do you get your brand message across in a way that engages customers and gets them excited about your product? One of my favorite ones, actually, is Joe Malone. It's this beautiful fragrance cabinet. Uh, we actually won a Clio Award for it. And when you touch the fragrance, it animates into honeysuckle and lemon. It, it animates into sage and wood and whatever you're going to smell. And it gives a visual experience to complement your olfactory one. And it also suggests other fragrances that you can combine. So they're trying to get you to buy several fragrances at a time to say how you can combine them. And it's just such a beautiful experience. We actually have a lot of these videos on our website in our in our showcase section. And it's you'll see that you know the way people think about digital is different based upon whether you're luxury or grocery and CPG and fragrance and beauty. The nice thing is this is a blank canvas and you know, because all of our units connect into the cloud, you can change the experience with the push of a button across thousands of locations. And so now, you know, we've really opened up the imagination about, you know, if you could do anything when a customer touches your product, what would you do? And, and that to me is a, a really exciting question uh, for the next generation of creative in-store design. Right. Well, you mentioned Johnson & Johnson and the when you pick up a Band-Aid, it, it shows you Neosporin and some of the other related products. I mean, that that just completely reminds me of the you might like or you might also like uh, suggestions that you see in, in, in Amazon. And those, of course, are based on on data. So how are some, how are some ways that we're finally getting data and analytics into the physical retail space? Absolutely. So I think 
One is taking external data sources and then changing your your in-store marketing. And so the example uh, I would use for that is Mizuno, the sports company. They have a showroom and uh, flagship store in Atlanta, Georgia, outside uh, the Atlanta Braves Stadium. And they have four units for volleyball and tennis and golf and baseball. And they look at their data every week or two in terms of what's popular in e-commerce and they change the experience in store. And so that's pretty amazing to be able to do without, you know, ordering new retail displays or new messaging and, and those type of things, literally with the push of a button. But the more interesting thing, especially for brands who are selling through a wholesale channel, is for the first time they have real-time data as to how many people are in store, what is their age, what is their demographic, gender, um, what is their sentiment analysis? Are they happy or are they sad as they go by? Uh, potentially doing gaze analysis. And then just as important, what are they interacting with? What are they, t- which products are they touching? You know, if you look at your sales data, it'll certainly tell a story. But if you can look ahead of time and say, what are, you know, why are people picking up product A and then not buying it? Right. Is that a pricing issue? Is that a packaging issue? Or can I do A-B message testing and see, you know, will, can I get people to touch p- touch products as a proxy for ultimate sales? You can do that type of analysis without having to rely on the retailer to provide sales data. Because, you know, depending on the relationship with the retailer, you know, some retailers will share sales data and some will not. Some will share demographic data, some will not. So it's often a very opaque distribution channel for brands. And for the first time, you have real in-store customer behavioral analytics about what are people doing in-store. And that really unlocks a tremendous amount of data analysis about thinking through how you message products, how you merchandise them, how you market them. Um, So, you know, we're enabling that kind of data revolution when it comes to understanding the consumer journey in store. So you mentioned this experience of touching and feeling a product. And that reminds me of the stat that shoppers who touch products are 40 to 60%, depending on which report you're looking at, more likely to buy them. Is there some thought about the psychology behind that stat? Like, what is it about this this experience, this tactile experience that really makes the sale? Yeah, no, absolutely. Actually, it's funny there. If you, if you look at the history, the Attorney General of Illinois once issued a warning to consumers to be careful because retailers are trying to get you to touch their products. That is how powerful product touch is. And so we're doing, you know, a couple different things to think about the psychology. Uh, one is, you know, people talk about surprise and delight in product design or an experience design. And there's a reason for that surprise and delight. The first part is critical. Surprise, you know, the brain is a pattern matching machine. So you're always kind of scanning, kind of brains making predictions. And if everything's going according to pattern, it just keeps on humming. The moment there's something that it doesn't expect, it's, it's surprised, it wakes up and you'll see the eyes dilate and it will immediately draw your attention. And so when you touch a product and something magically happens, immediately your brain says, what just happened? So now we've got your attention. And then the second part of that is the delight, right? So now you're touching this product, you have it in your hand, your brain is active, and we do something delightful. Whether it's the Joe Malone animation of, you know, again, honeysuckle and lemon, that's one of my favorite of the animations. Or if it's suddenly the lipsticks on your face and you're like, oh, that's so cool, right? What's actually happening from a brain psychology perspective is you're getting a little hit of dopamine and your body and your psychology is saying, 
oh, when I touch this product, I feel good. And so if that's the case, you're going to bring it back with you. You're, you're more likely to buy it. In fact, other studies show that if you hold a product for 30 seconds, you typically value it about 75% more. And so part of what we're doing is you know, creating engagement with the products, getting you to touch them, getting you to hold them. And you know, if you can imagine the notion that every product unlocks a digital experience, people start picking up every product on the shelf just to see what's going to happen, right? And so now you have people touching more products, exploring your products, learn, captivated and learning and engaging. And, and, you know, anybody in retail will say, yes, that is exactly what we want to drive sales, to drive brand loyalty, to drive, you know, ambassadorship and virality, to, to, to have the offline, the online experience, sorry, the offline brick and mortar experience affect the online experience just as the online affects the offline. And so, yes, I, I think we think a lot about, you know, kind of psychology. We think a lot about the true shopper experience. This is not, there's a lot of people who implement in-store technology for technology's sake. I, I, I like a lot of the digital signage vendors. You know, we partner with a bunch of them. But, you know, if you think about boring, looping video, static video, you can really kind of ignore that. There's no, there's no joy in that. And so really thinking through... You know, what does it mean when you can launch these experiences and any experience you like when you touch a product? You know, you really need to think through the customer experience and what are you trying to solve? And why does this make a customer more engaged in your product? Why does it solve for friction in the buying process that really hinders your customers? How do you provide the right message at the right time? And there's no greater permission than when somebody touches and expresses interest in your product. To me, it's the same as clicking on the product in a website. And so you're using that analogy, you know, you could do anything with your product page and, and, and Perch lets you do that. Well, so the benefits and the cool factor are certainly there. But why are, are legacy brands and retailers moving so slowly to this digital adoption? Yeah, I mean, it's the answer is there's a lot of reasons. Uh, you know, you, if you look at what um, the, the struggles with Nordstrom and Wall Street, you know, a part of it is, you know, debt financing and laden and the financials. It's about Wall Street, who is still clinging to old metrics like revenue per square foot. You know, it's it's fascinating. You know, five years ago, every retailer was terrified of becoming a showroom because they thought that meant the consumer would come in, they would they would experience the product, and they would buy it somewhere else. Now you you have the other situation where the retailers are all trying to become showrooms, like Bonobos, where you go in. You can try on the clothes, you can experience them, but ultimately you order them for delivery at home. And now this is okay. But if you're still clinging to revenue per square foot from the traditional brick and mortar sales channel, that's not revenue that's attributed. It's it's online revenue. And there are all kinds of studies that show that, you know, having a brick and mortar presence actually drives online sales. But from Wall Street's perspective, they don't see it that way. So and that's forces some short-term decision making to adhere to to Wall Street, and, and, and that's problematic. I think people have been burned with technology, um, in, in part because the in-store teams have almost been at odds with the e-commerce people, so it's been siloed organizations. The e-commerce guys were almost the enemy. They were fighting for budget, you know, we're growing faster, uh, et cetera. And so, you know, when you talked about, you know, technology and digital marketing, you know, the, the in-store people would be at odds with those people. And so I think 
there's a lot of a lack of that in their DNA. And what you're seeing is retailers such as Sephora, as an example, are breaking down those silos so that the in-store and e-commerce people are all now on the same page. And they're figuring out how they can use their data to help each other out and to help drive each other's business. And so you're starting to create the right behavior, understanding that the shopper journey is not one silo or another, but a full brand experience. And then the last thing I would say is I, I think a lot of this technology has been built custom uh, for, for retail. And a lot, there's a lot of kind of flagship uh, flagship stores or just for a product launch where it's limited in scope and they're spending a lot of money to, to do things one time. And the result is, you know, kind of custom technology that can't really be scaled. You know, one of the things we talk about is you can build what Perch does, you know, custom, but you're not going to have a platform. Every one of our units checks in the cloud every minute and sends a ping and says, I'm healthy. Everything's fine. Uh, it sends screenshots to the cloud so you can monitor a, a network operating center of thousands of screens and know what's on each and every screen at every store. All the device management, all the platform, the campaign management systems, the cloud analytics, you don't want to start from scratch. And I think there weren't a lot of platforms and, and there was a lot of experimentation. And now we're moving very quickly past the experimentation phase and into the how do we prove this out at scale in a way that affects the top and bottom line in a meaningful way. And so I think that if, you know, if you look at computer vision and, and how far we've come in the last 18 months, it's probably farther than the last decade. When you think about the software platforms, the cost of screens, there's this nexus of, of market factors that is making technology much more able to implement in the retail environment than ever before and to do, do so at platform scale. Well, I'm curious as a consumer, so you mentioned Sephora, and that seems like one of the retailers that were a, an early adopter of this touch and feel experience. So what are some of the ways that they're incorporating technology now, and what can they do to be a leader in the digital retail display space? I, I think the whole industry is behind. Uh, you know, I, I, I think Sephora has done a lot of experimentation. I think they were very early into augmented reality, doing a partnership with Modiface. Um, I think Modiface recently got bought by L'Oreal, which will lead to some questions uh, associated with, you know, what's the long-term viability of that as a platform for them. But uh, I, I think that Sephora has done a nice job uh, focusing on the experience in store about their mobile app and loyalty. But ultimately, I think there's still a lot more to be done in store across the entire beauty industry. Beauty is a category that requires a lot of explanation. There's, it's very crowded. The message and the brand is so critically important. And you're seeing ways that you can kind of bridge the you know, mobile app community to, to in-store and the in-store to mobile apps. And I think that's an area that you know, they're continuing to invest in. And, and there's a long way to go for the entire industry, not just Sephora. What's the thing that you are most closely tracking in the news in terms of new technology coming up and what the future of retail will be? Yeah, I mean, I, there's so many different exciting fronts. Uh, obviously, Amazon Go um, has has made very big impact on the way people are thinking about grocery. And so Amazon Go allows you to just pick up a product and walk out the door without you know going through checkout. And so thinking about convenience and the investment in grocery right now is insane. You've got Aldi opening up 900 more stores and Walmart making big investments with you know, buy online and then pick up at the at the curb. I think there's a lot of investment going on uh, from that perspective. I think RFID could be interesting, although I think it's it's currently 
you know, just uh, people are waiting in the water uh, with that and being able to, you know, start getting data. So I think under a, a, a bigger umbrella of data, for the first time, you know, you're really starting to get big data sets and people have spent the last four or five years cleaning up their data, putting it in a way that they can you know, track across channel and get a single view of the customer and get first party data. And so I think there's people are using you know, AI on that data to do more of predictive analytics about what are going to be the trends six months, 12 months, 18 months from now. Uh, rather than relying on buyers who were mostly relying on intuition. I think there's, uh, you know, a tremendous amount of technology that is capable of being applied um, to inventory management, supply chain optimization, obviously to marketing and store where we, we believe that computer vision is changing the way that we think about how we retail and the, the types of insights you can get about shoppers and the messaging that you can provide at that critical moments uh, where people make decisions. There's a lot of technology that, that we take a look at uh, and keep track of and figure out, you know, how uh, I think the other big piece would probably be the, the, the mobile phone. And what does that mean for our shopping experience? You know, I, for one, you see a lot of people talking about, you know, beacons because, you know, you can start advertising to people. But do people want to walk through your store getting buzzed all the time on their mobile phone? Do you really want people scanning every product with their mobile phone, just sitting there with their hand in front of their face as they go down the aisles? Is that the experience that you want? And and whose app is it going to be anyway? Is it going to be your app? Is it going to be Amazon's app? Is it going to be the brand's app? Those are all big open questions. And and so ultimately, I really I really look for those technologies that are making the brick and mortar shopping experience interesting, engaging, educational, entertaining, bringing joy back to that. Because ninety percent of retail is still brick and mortar, and that's where. I think there's been a lot of underinvestment and yeah, that's obviously where we're focused and you know, hoping to make some, some really big waves. Certainly a lot of questions there, but with that brings lots of possibilities. Trevor, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And thanks to you listeners for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can head to marketscale.com slash industries. Subscribe to articles, podcasts, and creative video. Until next time, I'm your host, Shelby Skirhawk.